of the preseason starts better than the first for the Vancouver Canucks, who get their first win of the exhibition schedule. A 5-2 victory over the Edmonton Oilers. Took a while, but the Canucks found their stride in the second period, led by their captain and a potent power play. This is Rinkwide Vancouver, the post-game edition. Jeff Patterson joined by Matt Zakaris. No McDavid or Dreisaitl. We should get that out of the way right up front for the Edmonton Oilers. And the Canucks icing pretty much their National Hockey League lineup, save for a couple of maybes. But the star power on the home side showed up as this night unfolded, Matt. And, of course, so we should tell the people that Rinkwide is a presentation of Bodog. Yeah, Bodog, your source, free casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. Patterson, the third choice, at plus 2,800 to lead the Pacific in goals behind Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, the aforementioned who didn't play tonight, Jeff. And I had three storylines going in this game. Number one, you're 0-2-1. You're getting outscored 15-2 to in the preseason. You're worried. Your head coach is using words like habits and standards and culture, but without any kind of activation, they are simply words. And after getting outshot 14 to five in the first period, you were wondering, boy, are these guys ever going to win? But fantastic final 40 minutes from the Vancouver Canucks. They're on the board with a preseason win. And as we were talking about on Sakaris and Price this week, it's not necessarily man- meaningful or mattering the preseason. It's about getting that winning feeling at least once before you hit the ice in the regular season. Uh, another storyline I was looking at Hoaglander, Oman, Stanika getting looks again tonight. Dakota Joshua, Vasily put goals and not. Mm-hmm. And I would argue that all three of those gentlemen probably helped their cause who dressed tonight. And then lastly, and I think this is the big unresolved question here, Jeff. A partner for Quinn Hughes. Cole McWard getting a second run with Ke- Hughes in the preseason. He takes three penalties tonight, and he proves that he ain't it. So that is a major, major question mark for the Vancouver Canucks in the week and a half that's left before the regular season, much like the top line and whether Ilya Mikheyev is going to factor on opening night or take a little bit more time and what will be the domino effect thereafter. So lots of... uh uh, lots of texture, lots of layer to this game tonight, and especially pointing forward to the final two preseason games. Yeah, and you mentioned the sluggish start, and it was. Uh, I didn't like what I saw, quite frankly, in the first period coming off the first week of the preseason where offense had been a bit of an issue. Uh, and they did dress like it's conceivable that this could be their opening night lineup. Uh, Dakota Joshua probably would argue, and we don't know about Ilya Mikheyev, but really, other than that, it was all hands on deck, and it was very much a business-like attitude and approach to this one with a full morning skate with the game group at Rogers Arena. And I do think that now that they've moved into the second week, they still have a lot of bodies in camp. I'm not sure when they're going to reduce their numbers. Uh, They've got until Wednesday now before the next game. So I think they'll probably make some roster moves here. And that'll allow Rick Talk and his coaching staff again just to continue to drill down with the guys that they've got. But I, I do think it was important, not so much to win, as you said, but get the winning feeling, the habits, And it kind of felt like after uh, three games out on the road to start the preseason without a victory, and then a first period like this one, Captain Quinn Hughes arrived on the scene. And there was leadership through and through. Easily the best player on the ice in the second period. I think you can make the argument that he was the best player on the night. We'll get to our three stars a little later on here on Rinkwide Vancouver. But... If this is leadership, this was Quinn Hughes' first opportunity to wear the C at home in front of his fans. He talked about that this morning and just looking forward to getting that feeling of home ice with their own people and their own supporters behind them. And he took it upon himself, uh, opens the scoring for the Canucks, or at least gets their first goal of the night, uh, bunting the puck out of midair. But the hands of a superstar, the hand-eye coordination there, and then moments later, attacking the net on the backhand uh, where he's so dangerous, creating space for himself in the offensive zone. And he was dialed in. And then uh, the other stars on this hockey club caught up. Kuzmenko with a power play goal. Pedersen with power play goal. Brock Besser ends the night with four assists. Very nearly had a fifth, setting up Quinn Hughes for a third-period scoring opportunity as well. So we said uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl didn't play. and And you have to take that into account when you balance this game in the way that it was played. But from a Canuck perspective, they wanted their stars to arrive at some point here in the preseason. And I would suggest that it happened a midway through the game on Saturday night. And Quinn Hughes was attacking from the jump here. Like if this is the Quinn Hughes we see in the regular season, whoever is that elusive defense partner better just stay and 
neutral ice. Just play half the ice, Jeff, your own red line in. Because Hughes was everywhere in this hockey game, even pinching off a um, pinching off the left point to go down to the right side of the goal. I mean, he was exploring absolutely every inch of the offensive zone. Tons of shots. How many shot attempts when it was all said and done for Hughes tonight? Uh, he finished the night with 10, eight, yeah. eight on goal. He had eight shots right. on goal. It was pointed out in social spaces. I think Rob Williams, uh, who said he's never had more than six in a regular season game. This is preseason. That wasn't the full Oiler roster, but this was Quinn Hughes uh, serving notice that he is ready to take his game up another notch, another level here. And for him to launch eight sh- or 10 shots at the net, eight of them hitting the net and two of them finding the back of the net. Again, he's had two outings here in the preseason and he has been dynamic in both of them. Well, not to mention he's creating for other people as well. And uh, there were also, I mean, once he got the second goal on the board, you can tell he was going for the, <laughs> for the hat trick tonight. He assists on the Kuzmenko goal in the third period as well. So another marvelous night for the captain, but Jeff, I got to get your take on what's happening beside him. Cause there, there was some tinkering and experimentation and partly because Cole McWard spent so much time in the penalty box tonight. I'm seeing Canucks fans on Twitter saying, just play Ronick with him. Just play Myers with him is an opinion. I saw tonight in social spaces yeah. because of the struggles. And, and frankly, Jeff, to me, and I understand where Rick Talkett, I understand Talkett prefers the lefty-righty combos. I think most every coach does in a perfect world. To me, it doesn't look like Cole or Susie are as comfortable on that right side. So we're now getting to a scenario whereby is it going to be, and we talked about this on Sakaris Price, is it going to be Quinn and committee, Quinn and company, whoever's going that night or just spot people with him? based on who's who's going or who's fresh in the moment, are the Canucks going to go have to go out and get somebody here, Jeff, in what's left in, uh, of preseason before, before we get going on the 11th of October? I saw Ian McIntyre suggest in one of the intermissions that Ethan Bear could well be a possibility when he gets healthy. So I, I think the Vancouver Canucks are asking themselves right now, we have this marvelous first pair defenseman that we've adorned with the C who is going to play with them. And is that guy currently in the organization? What says you on this? Well, let's look at Cole McWard's night. It got off to a tough start. Uh, he couldn't get off the ice on his very first shift, two minutes and eight seconds. And quite frankly, Matt, when you have shifts of that length, really there's three outcomes. You can clear the puck and get out of Dodge. You get scored on. Or you take a penalty, and he was uh, knocking on door number three. There uh, takes a didn't want to ice the puck. Jeff, takes a cross-checking penalty. Uh, you know, early in this hockey game, we'll talk about Canucks penalty kill because this is turning into a good news story here through the preseason. Mm-hmm. I know it gave up one in Seattle the other night, but when they've had uh, some of their key penalty killers in the lineup, uh, as they did tonight, penalty kill looked good. But Cole McCord with a cross-checking penalty early in the hockey game after a lengthy, lengthy shift, a holding penalty early in the second period and then completed his hat-trick on the night with a trip in the second period as well. Uh, the final numbers for Cole McWard, 16 and a half minutes, you know, no hits in this hockey game, uh, no shots on goal, and too many trips to the penalty box, quite frankly. I thought it looked all right against McDavid, and Dreisaitl held his own the other night in his preseason debut, but yeah, this was tough, and I'm not sure that he furthered his own cause nor does he answer the question about who yeah. is who's the right fit for Quinn Hughes. So, yeah, I mean, there was talk along press road tonight. You know, could they possibly go to Tyler Myers and just say, you know, dumb it down, just mind the shop and let Quinn Hughes be Quinn Hughes? Because I think it is becoming abundantly clear that uh, there is still a depth issue on this blue line with this defense core. Really interesting to me. I think a that- depth issue and a quality issue at the top as well. Akito Hiroshi has only played the one game, yeah. the 10-0 loss in Calgary. They've only got two to go here. So I'm a little surprised with mm. that one when we looked at who was in the lineup. But Cole McWard's had a couple of opportunities now. Again, young, right side. I think they're high on him, but is he ready to start the National Hockey League season and alongside Quinn Hughes after this one tonight? I would no, Jeff. Say uh, no. I'm well, and... and- why would you ever have the expectation he would be ready for that? 
This is a true sophomore coming out of college uh, who plays a handful of NHL games last year because you, you know, promise him that if he signs with you to come out early and he did come out a little early. So I just, I, I never got why there would be an expectation that Cole McWord would be ready for this. And as for Hikito Hirose, he doesn't in and of himself solve your Hughes partner matter, your right side defense partner matter, unless you think Susie or Cole can be that permanent partner and play on their offside with Quinn Hughes. So I think that the Canucks are going to ice a fairly AHL lineup in Abbotsford on Wednesday. I think there'll be some, really? NH- there'll be NHLers. They got to meet the threshold and all that kind of stuff. But I, I, Rick Tockett has talked about the importance of games four and six. Those are the two games that are at Rogers arena. This was nearly his NHL lineup. I think he'll do the same mm-hmm. against the flames in the preseason finale. As for who they send to Abbotsford and who plays there, I, I think we'll deduce what the organization is thinking, but I do wonder if Ian Cole gets the final game of the preseason yeah. alongside Quinn Hughes. That's the one guy that they have. Need- they've tried Susie. They've tried McWard here, Juleson at training camp. Yeah. And I do wonder if they think that that's something they've got in their back pocket. But I have to say that Cole and Philip Ronick have been linked since day one of training camp. They looked good when the team didn't in Seattle the other night. And Ronick mm-hmm. had another. The underlying numbers have been terrific for Philip Ronick, which is a really encouraging sign. I know it's preseason. But early on, he is doing the types of things and giving them what they hoped that he would when they made the trade and paid mm-hmm. the price to bring him in here. So they like Cole and Ronick right now, but you know, could Carson Soucy give Philip Ronick that partner and then allow Ian Cole to move up alongside Quinn Hughes? Yeah. So yeah, you know, moving parts here. It is the preseason, but I, I don't think Quinn Hughes is going to play. Well, that was my game. question like, to think- you. Is he going to play in Abbotsford? Because if not, you're down to one game right. to see. Uh, and, of course, in the case of Tyler Myers, would be more appropriately as, slotted as a third-pair defenseman. We'll see if they're going to have that luxury. Yeah, and, and that's going to remain the ongoing storyline when we look at who played. Again, I think this is pretty close to their National Hockey League opening night lineup. Who didn't play? Christian Wolanin wasn't in the lineup. Guillaume Breeze won. Noah Juleson, Jet Wu, Akito Hiroshi. And I would think you'll see a, a, a fair number of those guys on Wednesday night in Abbotsford. Philip Johansson hasn't played a game yet in the preseason, which uh, that, maybe that doesn't surprise Is that me. a comment on how he's looked in drills and practices? Yeah, I think a little bit. And the adjustment to the North American ice. And I think he's destined to be in the American Hockey League. So I wonder if he gets a look on Wednesday out in Abbotsford, Nikita Tolapilo, the big goaltender, has been nowhere to be found here through four preseason games as well. Uh, you know, Arter Silovs got lit up in Calgary. I would think that they would want to try to build his confidence back up and give him another preseason game at the very least. So I wonder if Silovs gets uh, half the game, two periods in Abbotsford, and Tolapilo gets a look again. again I look. wonder if they split the last two games goaltending-wise, Jeff, um, whether Thatcher's going to play the entirety of the last one. I wouldn't expect so. He's back-to-back here, Seattle the other night, this one. He's looked good. Uh, and so I would think Casey DeSmith would get some more action uh, along the way uh, mm. you know, in one of these games. So we'll see how that all goes. That's uh, you know a lot of talk between now and, and Wednesday. And again, I think that there's going to be some roster moves as they pair their numbers. When we look at Saturday's game, a 5-2 victory, and we talked about star power, we spent a fair bit of time talking about Quinn Hughes. Like this is the NHL. You give Andre Kuzmenko time and space like the Oilers did on his power play goal. More often than not, he's going to be goaltenders. Uh, that turns out to be the game-winning goal because it made it 3-1 to one at the time, and 5-2 is your final. Uh, that came 40 seconds into the third period, and five minutes after that, again, Elias Pedersen. You give him time and space. I kind of thought Pedersen waited into this game. He was pretty quiet in the first period, as most of the Canucks were. Uh, in the second period, though, he got a little more involved. He had a wraparound chance six minutes in, very nearly beat Stuart Skinner to the to the post. Uh, then, and we've seen this from Elias Pedersen throughout his career. When a hit is there, he's not afraid to take it, and he knocked the helmet off uh, Matthias Janmark on the penalty kill deep in the Canucks territory. I thought Janmark I uh, was going to go right back after Pedersen, but uh, that didn't happen. And then uh, Elias Pedersen gets an assist on the Kuzmenko goal and then scores himself. So now is it important that Elias Pedersen lights up the preseason? No, but he had been awfully quiet to this point. And I think you want, 
I just think you want all your stars to feel good about themselves when they get into the starting gate on October the 11th. And so I think there were some takeaways for Pedersen on a night like tonight. Yeah, great work on the uh, 3-1 goal that Kuzmenko scores, as you mentioned. As you say, he also thrown his body around. He killed some penalties here tonight with JT Miller, and they revived that sort of shorthanded danger. The power kill. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> that they showed uh, last year. Honestly, Jeff, with regards to the latest Patterson, I'm not worried at all. I'm more just make sure he does not get hurt in I, advance of the season and I, and opener. And then, of course, once we get either, Matt, but in Victoria and again, it's training camp. Uh, but he, he looked like a guy that I don't want to say going through the motions, but he knows that he doesn't have anything to prove at training. I just thought. He's, well, he's got a nonchalance to him that sometimes does. I wonder, is that going through the more motions or is that just him being so laid back? Uh, what I will say is, of course, there's big pressure come October 11th because, in effect, he's betting on himself here to put up another 100-point season and see if he can break the bank in free agency. So I think that's where we'll judge Elias Patterson more so than on preseason. As you say, the stars were the stars tonight. Patterson was good. Hughes was good. Besser with a force this night. But Miller may be the quietest of all the stars in comparison, but even JT had some had some good moments. But, Jeff, I want to get on to these three depth forwards who I thought were really good tonight. Um, Phil DiGiuseppe had him a night. Phil DiGiuseppe, uh, if there was any doubt, and I don't believe there was, is making this hockey club and I think is going to make this hockey club in a top-nine role. Nils Hoaglander, I thought, took advantage of the opportunity here tonight. He was very good in the second period. And Nils Amon continues to be okay, as well as as well as uh, Jack Stanika. So uh, I, the two guys who did not play tonight, Dakota Joshua and Vasily Pud Colson, they need some. They need strong efforts in however many of the games they get of these two that are remaining. Even though Joshua bounced back after the tough love from talking, I still think Joshua still needs to do a little bit more here, given the way the contenders around him are playing. Now, keep in mind, Dakota Joshua was one of the guys that had played the first three games for the Canucks in the preseason, so I'm not surprised that they took him out of the lineup. Uh, I didn't expect that an NHL regular would play all of the games. Sometimes with a prospect that's on the cusp, they want to keep pushing and keep pushing and seeing what he can do. But with Dakota Joshua, he played the three, he was challenged, the gauntlet was thrown down, and I think he has responded, but he'll get another look. And yeah, on a night like tonight where we're talking about other guys that stepped up and played well, uh, certainly he has to notice that. And when you're not in the lineup, there's really nothing you can do about it. Uh, it looks more and more like Pud Colson is going to have to start the season down in Abbotsford. It's just been yep. way too quiet for him. So I'm not surprised that he didn't get a look. Sheldon Drys didn't play. Archie Baines. You know, all these guys that they want to believe they're still in the hunt, but there are players that are sort of a, a level up from them, and those are the, the Imans and Stanika. And uh, Phil Giuseppe, you know, we talk about depth. Phil Giuseppe's on a line with JT Miller and Brock Besser. Well, he looks like he's going to start the season in a top six role, which mm-hmm. – and I'm not in love with, but if there are more nights like this one, maybe might be a placeholder for McKayef there, but you're right. I mean, if, if somebody is earning upward mobility, it's Phil DiGiuseppe. Yeah, I mean, the coach name-checked him after the game in Seattle when not a lot of guys played well, but he, he liked the hustle there. DiGiuseppe turns 30 here in a week's time. He has, you know, he's a second-round pick in the National Hockey League, but he's never had a scoring profile. And even back to his junior days, uh, not an awful lot there, but he's got size, he skates well. Uh, he can be physical, but we saw tonight that he's got some offensive chops as well. You know, if Quinn Hughes misses the airmailed pass, then we're probably wondering why is that pass waist high? But uh, when you're delivering it to Quinn Hughes, that's his wheelhouse or can be his wheelhouse because he's that skilled and talented. Uh, but, you know, that was a goal that the Canucks needed. They're down one nothing. They don't have a whole lot going. It's nearing the midway mark of the game. And D. Giuseppe comes through with the pass to Hughes. And then he gets a second assist on Quinn Hughes' second goal moments later. And then he scores, himself, you know, standing his ground in front of the net. On the second Hughes goal, again, he's planted himself. Big body, creating a screen in front of the, That's what he has to do. So you can say, oh, it's a second assist. But, you know, the second assist is when he touched the puck. Really, the assist on that goal is him going to the front of the net and trying to eat up that territory and create some havoc in front of the net. And then the goal 
you know, we talk about hand-eye. I, I thought in live motion, I thought maybe high stick, but it looked like he got the stick down. Uh, it was dropping down when he deflected it. Uh, it no counted. protest from Edmonton it's really either. Yeah. They're not going to get too worked up. But uh, yeah, a three-point night for for PDG. So uh, absolutely. And Jeff, it comes on a night where I thought Anthony Beauvillier was a little more quiet than a yep. lot of the Van- other Vancouver Canucks forwards. I think Beauvillier was a little bit culpable on that first goal. He wasn't able to stop the big breakout pass up his wing that ultimately leads to the Oilers goal from, uh, was he Yanmark? Uh, no, Ernie. Ernie. Yeah. Ernie. Yanmark makes the play. Ernie fin- uh, finishes it off. And, and the one thing I sort of wondered with Beauvillier, and we've seen this a little from Rick Tockett during practice days, is is he a lock for the top six, or could he be bypassed from anyone? Made depend on McKayef and his health, and he's ready to go, as does probably the fortune of PDG, as does probably the fortunes of Hoaglander and um, and uh, Nils Amon and some of the others who are vying for time on the wing. But, you know, if you're going stock up, stock down on a night where I think a lot of Canucks forwards went stock up, I think Beauvillier might have got stock down. And, of course, he he takes some rough treatment from big uh, Deharnay, the, yeah. the Edmonton defenseman who is about half a foot taller than him and God knows outweighs him by a fair bit. Uh, they scuffle, they tussle, and uh, Beauvillier takes the worst of it. Yeah, I, I didn't notice Beauvillier an awful lot. Uh, pretty empty stat line, not a single shot attempt when you're playing with Pedersen and Kuzmenko. you got to make something happen there, and he didn't. So uh, it's been an interesting week for Beauvillier at camp. He was with DiGiuseppe and Bluger. The other night he's on a line with Garland and Suter. Now it's Kuzmenko and Pedersen, so he's moving around. I asked him this morning after the morning skate, does he read into it? Uh, you know, Is that tough for chemistry? Yeah, and he said, I'm a pro. I've got to believe that, uh, you know, throughout the season, you're going to play with different guys. I just have to be ready to do my thing. But I didn't think that uh, his thing in this game uh, amounted to an awful lot. But a good performance from the Vancouver Canucks once they got going. And again, their top players take over. 5-2 is the final score. This is rink-wide Vancouver. The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place, kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one, playoff football, BC Place, the Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them, the Dome will be rocking, should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com and check this out. They start at just 30 bucks. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. Applewood Auto Group is celebrating 25 years of business, making the car business and our communities better. Applewood offers the best in-class experience, whether you're looking for a car, service, or to join our team. Come find out why it's all good at Applewood. Visit us online at applewood.ca today. Led by their stars, the Canucks beat the Oilers 5-2. Rink-wide Vancouver, Matt and Jeff here. Uh, we were talking a little bit about some of the depth guys. Just a quick thought on Hoaglander. The effort's there. I mean, he's always hustling. That's been his calling card since he arrived. That's how he got drafted in the second round. Uh, bottom line remains uh, a bit of an issue here through the preseason and last year at the NHL level. I do wonder, uh, you know, Rick Tockett talks about board battles and big guys would Tockett be prepared to start the season with a third line of Pia Suter, who's not particularly yeah. big, and Garland and Hoaglander on his wings? Uh, he may not have a choice. Yeah. And, of course, Hoaglander well, plays. he's got Joshua. Uh, no fair. But, and, of course, Hoaglander plays bigger than he is. I thought he was darn good tonight. He keeps possession in the offensive zone, winds up becoming a penalty on Evan Bouchard, elbowing Connor Garland. So that was good work. He gets in front, creates a screen on a Carson Susi uh, long shot, which you know, gave Edmonton a little bit of trouble. It was his forecheck that wound up winning that puck and creating that chance. In fact, there were a couple of times he sort of teamed with Carson Susi being the pest in front. He won a puck battle with Darnell Nurse, and that led to some more zone time for the Vancouver Canucks. So, I thought he was good. He certainly is ticking a lot of the boxes here, Jeff. As we know, he is no longer waiver exempt. 
I think the Vancouver Canucks would have a very difficult time getting him down to Abbotsford, given his age and prospect pedigree. I think he's there opening night. I think the only question is who he aligns with. And I do have a feeling, particularly if Mikheyev is out, that you're looking at top nine duty for Nils Hoaglander out of the shoot. Studnika had his moments. Again, his, wasn't as great tonight. His speed is apparent, though, mm-hmm. and the Canucks aren't a quick team. So I, I do wonder if that keeps him in the hunt here. And just the fact that he seems to have taken all of the challenges of the coach to heart through the offseason, the big summer, and has at least come to camp, letting it be known that he wants to be a regular in the National Hockey League. But yeah, I didn't think that this was a, a, a banner night necessarily for uh, Jack Studnika. So, no, but he's, um, as you say, a guy who can skate a bigger body and he can play the middle as a right shot. And they don't have a lot of those. And they used him two minutes and 19 seconds of penalty kill, which leads us into just the penalty kill on the whole here. Four for four in this game, seven shots on goal. And obviously having Thatcher Demko back and looking sharp early on, that's going to help and just give confidence to the guys in front. But but I will say, man, after watching this penalty kill so closely and doing rink-wide after every game the last couple of years, and we talked about how often the penalty kill it just sunk them. I mean, it put them in holes early in hockey games that they couldn't dig themselves out of. Again, it's preseason. I recognize that, but that's all we have to work with in terms of evidence with these new players and the new personnel, and they weren't here. They're not responsible. That's not on their rap sheet what's gone on here the last couple of years. They're here because of what's happened, and there just looks like a a different feel, a a confidence on the penalty kill now. Carson Soucy's been really disruptive. He's a big body that uses the stick well at the blue line to deny entries. Uh, Ian Cole is just solid. Uh, Rick Tockett's talked about how aggressive he is, finishing guys on the penalty kill down low. Uh, Teddy Bluger, we agreed, had a, a nice night the other night in Edmonton. Didn't notice him as much tonight, but he was out there as part of the penalty kill. But they're just there feels like a different attitude. It feels like they've got an attitude adjustment, and you know, it's been such a weakness. I, I'm not ready to suggest it could be a strength for this hockey club, but even approaching league average would yeah. be a quantum leap for the Canucks on the penalty kill. And I just like the way, I mean, structure is a word that gets thrown around way too much in this market, but there does feel like there's some structure, some real structure to the way they're going about their business. Jeff, I, I just think it's as simple as the season has reset and you've got new personnel on that penalty kill that isn't saddled with all the baggage of the last two years. I mean, to watch the Canucks penalty kill the last couple of years has been to watch a lot of here we go again. Guys who are out there who aren't playing with confidence, who are carrying all the failure forward of penalty kills gone wrong. You take a look at the forwards uh, who jump over the boards tonight. Well, two of the first four forwards out there, Pius Suter and Teddy Bluger, they came from abroad. They aren't saddled with all the baggage of historically bad penalty kills or penalty kills that have flirted with some of the worst numbers in the National Hockey League. As you mentioned, Cole and Susie, and that's a big part of why they were why were they were brought in. And if I'm not mistaken, and you probably have it on the sheet there, I got Bluger, Amans, Danica, Suter, Miller, Petey, and Phil Giuseppe as penalty kill forwards tonight. So I think they ran through at least seven, if not eight penalty killing forwards tonight. And that's good too. I mean, get everybody a little taste of playing on that unit before we go into the season. Yeah. Ian Cole and Philip Ronick led the way in shorthanded ice time, almost four minutes for both of them. So they were the leaders and that's likely to continue as the season moves along and then you look at some of the guys we talked about Stanika, two minutes and 19 seconds for him. Teddy Bluger at 209. Pia Suter, a uh, minute 54 on the penalty kill. So, yeah, pretty healthy nights. Uh, Nils Amon at 205. Uh, you know, this is ways that some of those depth guys absolutely can contribute. And Dakota Joshua's done some penalty killing as well. So, it's not an either or there necessarily, but he wasn't in the lineup. So, somebody had to do the job. And those guys did. The Canucks go four for four on the penalty kill in this hockey game. Should we look at our. Three stars, the rink-wide Vancouver, three Please. stars from this one. And call us homers, whatever the case. Uh, it is a Canucks-focused podcast, so we'll, we'll go with three Canucks because I don't think that uh, there was an oiler that superseded uh, the three guys that I've got. I just thought Quinn Hughes was dynamite. And when you look at his night uh, in totality, 22-07, two goals, a helper, so three points for Quinn Hughes. But as it was the other night in Edmonton, Matt, 
it's the shot attempts. And I talked to him. I wrote a piece at the Hockey News, too, uh, after the morning skate where he said, like, this is by design. He had nine shot attempts the other night in Edmonton. He had 10, two games, 19 shot attempts, and he's got three goals already here in the preseason for a guy that scored seven all of last year in games that matter. And he said, like, I worked on my shot. Rick Tocca thought he had put 20 additional miles per hour. A little much, Coach. Yeah. 20 would be quite a transformation. I mean, 20 almost puts him into Al McKinnon's territory, yeah. Jeff. So like I a, thought a little hyperbole yeah. by the head coach of the Vancouver Canucks. Who, or maybe he just, yeah, maybe he's just out of touch with how quickly shots travel in the National Hockey. Wasn't Quit. familiar with the scale. Yeah. He was sort of a net front. You know, right. short distance goal guy, as I recall, Rick Tockett. Uh, Quinn said it wasn't so much the velocity as it was changing the angle of his shot and just having a shot first mentality. He admitted that he's always been a, a setup guy and a passer, but he thinks that he can produce even more offense, which you know, sometimes it's hard to think of Quinn Hughes generating more offense. But uh, hey, if there's more offense to give from Quinn Hughes and this is what it's going to take then I'm all for the fact that uh, he is launching a ton of pucks right now. And he said, it's not always about him scoring. It's about rebounds. It's about deflections and all those types of things. And we saw some of that in this hockey game. I thought Quinn Hughes, hands down, the captain, the leader, the catalyst for the Canucks. He was uh, my first star. I'll go PDG just because uh, he's in that group of guys that did have something to prove. And I think he did. And his spot on that line with Miller and Besser, I have to think, remains intact. If they do another dress rehearsal on Friday against the Calgary Flames, uh, I would expect you'll see number 34 out there uh, alongside Miller and Besser. I was wondering if you were going to go line of stern with the three stars in the building, but they had Brock Besser as the second star after a four assist night. Uh, and Di Giuseppe as the Third star, again, I think his eventual starting place with the Vancouver Canucks is probably somewhat dependent on whether or not Ilya Mikheyev returns healthy enough, but you're absolutely right with regards to the effort and the performance. If Mikheyev isn't ready to go, he is making a case to start in that top six. Well, Besser's my third star, and I do want to make note of the night for Brock Besser because we still in this market talk about the elusive 30-goal season, and all harken back to 29 as a rookie and following up with 26, but he has changed. The team has changed. Mm -hmm. Back then, they needed him to score goals. They don't need him to score goals necessarily. They'd like him to, but they have other guys that are charged with the goal scoring uh, more than Brock. Like Brock Besser was on an island back in the day. I mean, he was their sniper, and now you've got Patterson, you've got Kuzmenko, you've got JT Miller. Uh, you have supported the cast with other guys that they think can put the puck in the net as well. And so sometimes Brock Besser's playmaking goes underrated. Like we talk about the Hughes bunting the puck out of the air and a two on guess who starts the two on one with a great cross rink pass. He went rink wide. In fact, Matt, mm -hmm. with that pass uh, onto the stick of Giuseppe breaking the puck out. And so I know it's a second assist, but I thought it was a terrific play by Brock Besser and then you look through the night. Besser has the primary assist on the second Hughes goal. He has the primary assist on the Pedersen goal in the power play. And then he gets another helper on the DiGiuseppe goal as well. And I mentioned a little bit earlier, he made a terrific play to create some time and space and spotted Quinn Hughes moving in from the left point. And Hughes got one of his eight shots on goal in the third period. And had that one gone in, it would have been a hat trick for the captain, but it also would have been a five yeah. pack of assists for Brock Besser. So missed by inches, Jeff. Uh, several things on Brock Besser here. Number one, we know it's an ever quickening National Hockey League. We know that Brock's pace hasn't particularly kept up, nor has his release. From when you remember that rookie season, how quickly he would get the puck off. I just don't think he has the time and space anymore in today's NHL. I do believe it's gotten that much quicker in the short period of time that Brock Besser has been in this league. So give him credit for adapting and morphing more into uh, an offensive contributor where he can contribute by passing the puck and creating offense for guys. Secondly, if Brock Besser was the old Brock Besser, and this is something I wanted to engage you on, would he not have been in the bumper spot without Bo Horvat? It's Andre Kuzmenko in that bumper spot, and he scores a goal there. But, of course, we know how successful Kuzmenko was in the spot that Brock Besser is now holding down on the power play as the net front guy. So I think if the Vancouver Canucks believed in Brock Besser as sniper, 
I think he would have given more of a fuller opportunity to be the bumper guy as to be as, as opposed to being the cleanup rebound guy down low. Yeah, uh, Kuzmenko scored a five on three, so it was kind of tough to get a full read on if that's the true bumper or if that was just the operational you know, structure. When run. it was five on four, it was Kuzmenko yeah, in that spot, though. So, uh, But starting in Victoria last week, they were sort of rotating, and so I think it's a work in progress here. Yeah. But, but yeah, I would agree with you that, uh, and you see Kuzmenko score. I mean, that's a goal that Brock Besser, young Brock Besser, used to score. Just right. goalies cleanly, having his look. Now, that's his, that was his spot. Yeah, it was a release, the release, the shot, the accuracy of the shot, the, the velocity. Front, the net front is a position where you've got to be prepared to take a beating. It is tough real estate. You're out against penalty killers who are generally the biggest and baddest dudes in the National Hockey League. So, you know, there's a mindset there, but also, the download guy quite often is puck retrievals and board battle. <laughs> How many times do we hear Rick talking, talking about board battles, but that is a, you know, that's part of the role of being the down low guy. If a shot deflects to the corner, you know, they want guys going in there. They want guys flooding that corner to try to outnumber the opposition. It's the power play. You've got an extra skater out there and they do like, and, and Brock does have size and an ability to win some of those battles, maybe even more so then Andre Kuzmenko. So maybe that is part of the rationale here. Certainly something to watch, but yeah, the power play scored twice tonight. Uh, ends up going two for five on the night, two for six officially uh, on the game sheet. And so uh, just good for the power play to feel a little bit of success. And yeah, I'll be curious to see if that continues. I mean, it looks like Besser is going to be part of the five out there on that first unit. Mm-hmm. It's just a question of how they, uh, how they all shake down in their positions. But yeah, the three stars here on Rinkwide Vancouver, Hughes, DiGiuseppe, and Besser in that order. I I, I want to talk about the score clock, the new jumbo. That was my next question. Your first look at the building with the new score clock. I wanted to know it, how. It is, it's incredible, Matt. Like I was there this morning at the morning skate and they didn't have it operational. And even at that, it's still, it's in, it, like, it just, it hangs there, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, over the ice surface. And you're watching what's going on, on the ice, but you can't ignore the fact that there is this massive new uh, piece of equipment there at Rogers Arena. When they fired it up at game time, though, uh, yeah, I mean, they didn't lie. Like, this is all about uh, enhancing the fan experience. And, you know, in this day and age, they don't make bad jumbotrons and video no. boards and those types of things. And so now about that clock, Jeff. Yeah, yes, it <laughs> it's still under warranty. Uh, but yeah, it, look, there are some bugs to work out. We saw that at the start of the third period. They couldn't get it uh, all set the way that they wanted in the first period. Uh, the video portion all worked, but the time clock froze first at 1536. So four minutes into the game and then. Midway through the period, it showed up with nine minutes and 10 seconds left, and that sat there uh, for a while. But, you know, some of the things that they're going to be able to do, uh, individual statistics of players, more of the analytics and underlying numbers will be brought in, and and those are posted up there. Uh, and then it's just, it's got all sorts of uh, functionality and utility that I, I don't even think they scratch the surface here on opening night, or at least the first Canucks game. But for people that'll go to the rink here in time, whether it's the final preseason game, opening night against the Oilers, or later on in the season, uh, absolutely a massive upgrade. So a credit to the Canucks for spending some dough yep. uh, to upgrade Overdue. the fan experience. How about the renovations, sir? Are they all done? Is the Millionaire's no, Club no, done no, no, there no, yet? No. I, uh, uh, nobody seems to know much. I, I mean, I asked a number of Canucks staffers that I thought would have spent some time already in that new restaurant lounge, uh, but nobody seems to know exactly what's going on. But I will say even this morning, now, I think there was a concert at Rogers Arena on Friday night. And Sting. Sting was in there. So mm-hmm. part of it was the conversion, but there were work crews in a number of areas of the building on Saturday morning ahead of the first home preseason game. So I know Jim Rutherford said at his introductory press conference, he thought by opening night, and I would imagine that it's a race against the clock to make wow. sure that uh, no hard hats required that the, the construction is uh, put to bed here shortly. It's a two-pronged issue, Jeff, because not only do you need the construction done for opening night, of course, you also need to sell those seats and get butts in them, or else, sadly, you're going to have a not-so-great look of a lot of empty seats right there behind the players' benches in Rogers Arena. Yeah, and those uh, tickets are uh, 
Well, they're not cheap. No, no. <laughs> You're dealing with a select group that has the uh, financial worth, viability. They're worth more than what most people make all year, Jeff. So. Fortunately, but you are. get them for all the concerts, that you know, for true. all the events. Yeah. You know, if you're a big Sting fan, there's a lot of great concerts going through Rogers Arena these days. So if you're a, a, a big, big music buff and a huge hockey fan, then then you've and got, you know, five figures sitting around. Absolutely. They want to talk to you. We want to talk more about the Canucks and the Oilers. Four preseason games down, two to go Wednesday out in Abbotsford and then at home against Calgary on Friday. This is Rinkwide Vancouver. The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place. Kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one. Playoff football, BC Place. The Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them. The Dome will be rocking. Should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com. And check this out. They start at just 30 bucks. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. A few more things to get to as we break down the Canucks 5-2 victory over the Edmonton Oilers. Saturday night, Rogers Arena. The Canucks now 1-2-1 and in the preseason, if that matters to anybody. But I think the one does matter, and that is the first victory of the preseason with two games still to come. We haven't spent a lot of time talking about goaltending, but Thatcher Demko has now had two appearances here in the preseason and has looked sharp in both of them. The Canucks were uh, outmatched and overwhelmed at times in Seattle, but Demko held down the fort and kept them in that hockey game. Uh, he was really good in the first period in this one. The Oilers uh, shot the Canucks 14-5. to They had the only two power plays in the first period as well. And so Thatcher Demko is walking the walk after talking the talk. He has talked about uh, his offseason and his readiness and not wanting any kind of repeat. Like, forget the injury. Even before the injury, we all know he didn't hold up his end of the bargain last year. And there were lots of reasons the Canucks broke down and didn't win hockey games and ultimately fell out of the playoff picture. And Thatcher Demko was a huge part of that. He knows it. They know it. They're going to need their goaltender to be at an elite level. And yeah, no McDavid, no dry sidle. It's still preseason. But just in terms of him and his readiness, uh, two performances, and I think he's looked really good in both yeah. of them. Yeah, uh, concurred. There was a shot early from Evan Bouchard, and boy, was he active in this hockey game. That looked like it almost fooled him early. That was the same time uh, Cole McWord was running around for two and <laughs> two minutes and change, Jeff. But he then settles down. He makes a couple of terrific saves off Vancouver's Evander Kane, of course, playing for the Oilers, but a local boy here. Uh, who's back at Rogers Arena, and I thought Kane was pretty active too in the offensive zone. And then I thought he took a Bouchard shot off the mask early as well. But he settles down. There were a couple of mishaps playing the puck in the third period. I did sort of wonder, boy, if 97 and Dreisaitl are out there, maybe one of those is in the back of the net. But I thought it was a very commendable performance from Thatcher Demko. And, of course, we know if he's healthy, healthy he's one of the one of the great goaltenders in the National Hockey League, if not a top five guy, I think a top 10 guy. And did I see he revealed more injury information late in the week, Jeff, and with regards to what was ailing him last year? Did he go a little further in terms of talking about the injury with Frank Cervell? I thought, yeah, I thought uh, I thought there was some uh, interesting reporting from Frank Cervelli late in the week with regards to Demko and the injury situation last year. Look, bottom line, if he's healthy, the Canucks are in good hands. Got a little help from PDG. There was that scramble in the second period where the puck was lying loose. JT Miller did a nice job on the back check, lifted a stick, and the puck was sitting there in the blue paint. And if the Oilers get it, they probably poke it in. But uh, Di Giuseppe was there uh, doing it at both ends of the ice tonight. So the goaltender getting a little help. Uh, but that's what they need, a commitment to play better defensively in front of uh, Thatcher Demko or Casey DeSmith when he is in there. Uh, you know, it, Look, the five goals is great. You kind of figured that they were due for some offense here. But I, I do wonder, I mean, for 40 minutes, it's a 2-1 hockey game. Uh, we know that the Canucks haven't scored a lot here in the preseason. And things are different under Rick Tockett than they were under Bruce Boudreau. Bruce Boudreau allowed these guys to freewheel. And when they had leads, he didn't worry about sitting back and protecting it. Ultimately, that cost them early uh, last year where they had all those leads that got away from them. So... Uh, you know, star power 
it, it will take over, especially on the power plays it did in this. But I, I do wonder if we ought to be bracing here for a lot of nights of low or lower event hockey. Yeah. I suppose I'll believe that when I see it, Jeff. <laughs> they have played such high event hockey for so many years now. And, of course, uh, I am still scarred from the Willie Desjardins <laughs> era when there was nothing but low event hockey. I think they got a ways to go. Put it that way. I, I'm not necessarily sure they yet have the quality of team and particularly quality of blue line to think that Thatcher Demko is in for more low event. On some nights, surely. But overall, in totality, like vis-a-vis the rest of the league, I, I'm I'm not there yet. Well, maybe that defense needs to load up on AG1, Matt. Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> if a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash rinkwide Vancouver. That's drinkag1.com slash rinkwide Vancouver and check it out. The stat that stands out, and this is something that we'll do uh, each and every night here on Rinkwide Vancouver after Canuck Games as we break them all down, try to dig through the numbers and come up with something that maybe we haven't spoken about or others uh, haven't unearthed yet. I, I guess for me, it, it is just the fact that two games now, 19 shot attempts for Quinn Hughes really does jump off the page and We'll see once the regular season begins if he can keep. I don't expect that he's going to stay at that level of bumping up against 10 shot attempts per night, but uh, does he shoot the puck more? And if so, what does that mean for this hockey club? And what does it do ultimately for his game? But certainly the captain off to a terrific start here in the preseason. He looks ready to go. I don't know how many more dress rehearsals Quinn Hughes needs. He probably gets one of these final two games. I would think that uh, as much as the people out in Abbotsford would like to see him, uh, I would think that he probably plays the one more game in an NHL building, uh, ready to go, and then it's on to the regular season. And, of course, the Canucks start at home October the 11th against the Edmonton Oilers. And we've touched on this, but I do think it's important, and I think you're going to see it here in the next couple of days. They took Friday off after back-to-back road games. Uh, the coaching staff had to travel to both. Six of the guys, I think, played in both of those games. So Friday was a day off. Saturday here, a game day. But I think you're going to see the Canucks with a bunch of practices now. Uh, and again, they're going to practice tomorrow. You think? I, I, I think so. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I'd be surprised if they gave them Friday off and then a Sunday as well. Uh, for me, it's more about when do they decide to get down in numbers, and maybe they keep the full roster until that game out in Abbotsford to give them some options about who's going to play there. Uh, but at some point here, they'll get down in numbers, and then obviously they've got to set their roster. And the health of Mikheyev factors into all of that. Uh, you know, you talked earlier, too, right off the top. We were talking about uh, the defense partner for for Quinn Hughes. Is that person in the organization, are they going to be scouring the waiver wire? We know that between now and the start of the season and, and teams setting their rosters, there will be NHL players that teams try to slide through. And the thing about the waiver wire is, Matt, most of those guys are at or near the league minimum in terms of their ticket. And so the Canucks don't have a ton of money. They can't be out there, you know, if there's a if a team's trying to get a $5 million guy through, uh, and not many teams do that, but the Canucks wouldn't be in the market there because they just don't have that cap space. But if there's a player on a manageable contract, I, I would have to think that the Vancouver Canucks would still be open to the idea of uh, particularly a right-side defender. Just going to give you a name there. Lassie Thompson, a one-time first-round pick of the Ottawa Senators, requires waivers now, has not really established himself as a NHL player just yet at age 23. Uh, I see his name being bandied about amongst some others of right-shot defensemen who may well be on the waiver wire. 18 NHL games, five assists. He's played in the AHL the last couple of years and has put up decent point totals. But I think it's about defending there as well. Well, the defense continues to be a work in progress, and uh, we'll see where it goes from here. Does Cole McWard get another opportunity? Was that it for oh, him? Oh, Jeff, can, can he? I, After that, I I'd mean, say no. I but- think now if you're down to one game for Quinn Hughes, then it's either got to be Susie or Cole, one of the left side guys playing the offside. And as we've talked about, Cole and Ronick has looked like a good pair, so maybe that's Susie. Or, or I think you got to bite the bullet and look at Tyler Myers there. 
Well, we'll see. Uh, we'll get some more clues about what the Canucks are thinking uh, on Wednesday. Well, certainly in the days leading up to Wednesday, they probably will practice the way that they'll play here uh, on Monday and Tuesday. But Wednesday night out in Abbotsford against the Seattle Kraken, and they've done this uh, a bunch of times here in recent years, and it's great having your farm team out there. It's a, a way to thank the fans for their support, and they have supported the Abbotsford Canucks, so you send the Vancouver Canucks out for a preseason game. I'll head out there as well. We'll do a rink-wide from the rink after that game out in Abbotsford as well. So uh, four down, two to go. Uh, before we run, though, we should uh, make mention of the fine folks at Applewood. Yeah, and they're having an auto show tomorrow, Sunday, at the Performance Center in Langley, celebrating 25 years here of Applewood. There's fantastic deals on new Nissan Leafs and Rogues. You can get the QX50 or QX60 from Infinity. Lease from 3.99%. No charge maintenance package with purchase chance to win 25000 large. And if you're in Langley tomorrow, slide on by the Performance Center. Say hello. You can see dealer for more details on all these fine offers because Jeff Price. It's all good. Jeff Price. Wow. (laughs) Sorry, it's getting late here. Late night, yeah. Jeff Patterson, because Jeff Patterson, (laughs) it's all good at Apple. It is. Normally my throw to Blake Price, (laughs) of course. All good. You're right. Uh, uh, all right, that's going to do it for Rinkwide Vancouver. Canucks beat the Oilers by a score of 5-2. to two. Quinn Hughes with a pair of goals. Kuzmenko Patterson and DiGiuseppe. The others, Brock Besser, with a four-assist night. I think those guys are all going to make the opening night roster. For Matt Sakaris, this is Jeff Patterson, as always. We will do this after each and every Canuck game preseason and on to the regular season, which is coming quickly now. The same Oilers will be back in Vancouver on the 11th of October. I say the same Oilers uh, they'll probably find a way to squeeze McDavid and Dreisaitl into their lineup for that one. They weren't there. Canucks stars did show up 5-2 the final. The Canucks over the Edmonton Oilers. This has been another edition of Rick Wyman.